to the ashes of the Imperium. Hello and welcome to Ashes of the Imperium. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by the wonderful Max. Welcome back to the show, Max. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm living the dream. Thank you very much. Good stuff. How about you? Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Excited to talk new Codex. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this one's a little bit late. We got sent uh, Codex Terranids uh, by Games Workshop, so massive shout out for them for uh, providing a re- review sample. But of course, it has been in everyone's uh, scything talons for some time now. Uh, so a little bit late. Um, but also, I decided, Max and I had a little chat after the last episode, the Space Marines Codex review, which you, if you haven't checked out, then uh, absolutely add it to your playlist after this one. Uh, and Max is now going to join Ashes of the Imperium full time. I say full time, as in like on a regular basis. It's yeah, I've got full. I've got another job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just there's no contract here, mate. I'm not going to pay you any money. Oh damn it! What really? <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Talking about Warhammer for a living, but maybe maybe one day. Oh, some uh, people are lucky enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Although you know, turning your hobby into a job, I'm sure it's uh, it's not yeah, there is a risk. There. there is a risk. This is a this is a baby step. A baby step to, to world domination. <laughs> but yes, anyway, uh, Max will be joining me on the regular. And I think regular is the key word that I'd like to, to highlight here. Uh, Max and I are really keen to to start pushing out sort of fortnightly content, you know, really uh, keen to kind of get Ashes back on the airwaves on a regular basis. So it's, uh, you know, clogging up your feeds with loads of cool 40k and Warhammer related content. So uh, make sure you kind of subscribe to the YouTube channel or uh, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes, whatever it is, wherever it is you get this delicious 40k goodness from and uh, and join us for the ride. Uh, yeah, so Tyranid Max, tell us all mm. about Tyranids. Well, not something that I have much experience of commanding myself but it is something that i've been on the receiving end of many a whomping from uh from 8th edition onwards do you remember in 8th when you could tag a vehicle and then it would have to fall back and then it could yes, shoot absolutely it. so i played many a tyranid player who delighted in just you know pinky tapping my Lehman Russes and preventing all their shooting with their swarms and swarms of hormigants. Um, so not an army that I have ever commanded myself, but one that I have faced many times and actually quite enjoyed playing. I think it is a fun army to go up against. Yeah, it's an army that I've always had a massive uh, like I don't know, calling to. The uh, the hive mind calls to me. I just really like I you know I really like the models. I really like the kind of ter- terrifying lore behind it. I had a massive Tyranids army back in, well, I don't know, like 6th edition or something like that, 5th yeah, and 6th edition I, yeah, into 7th. I, remember, I remember playing your Tyranids back in like 2011 or something. Was like it at that. Warhammer World? or No, this was on the floor of your bedroom, I believe. Ah, <laughs> before, rock and roll. Before we had, I think, I think there were books as terrain and no map marked out or anything like that. It was very floor hammer but still great fun oh that sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah big fan of tyranids um and also like if you've watched starship troopers which to be honest if you're going to pause this podcast and do one thing with your life it's watch starship troopers if you haven't done it already seriously get a grip of your life um but obviously the you know the arachnids and starship troopers are very reminiscent of uh tyranids um as are the Zerg in StarCraft mm-hmm. as well. A huge fan of that game. So there's lots of... And of course, the, the Xenomorph in, in Aliens and the, the Alien Saga. There's lots of things that really uh, kind of call to the nature of Tyranids, yeah, which, which I'm just, a big fan of. 
I think they're just very different from any other 40k army as well, right? Yeah, despite being kind of almost generic, you know, bugs in space. Screamy aliens. Yeah. Yeah, despite being almost at the risk of being slightly generic, they are not. They they are a really unique Entirely faction. biological, you know, just very different to the dudes in armor with guns that most other factions are right yeah absolutely that's a really a really cool appealing trait of them as an army to collect and look i think as as a good beginner army as well well maybe not in terms of like quantity of models if you want to do certain horde lists and stuff but i think they're very forgiving models to paint you can be quite messy with them and do you know do a lot of different things with them and, and they're quite fun models to kind of hobby with as well i think and there's a huge amount of variation in the range as well. Mm-hmm. So if you do want to go for a horde army, they're very cool. Uh, if you want to go for a monster mash, there's that. Uh, and they also have, uh, like like uh, you know, all 40k armies do. They have lots of kind of niches that you can kind of fall down. And we'll perhaps talk a little bit about that when we get to the, the detachments. But they've got their, you know, their psychic things of various different sizes they've got their um kind of harvester kind of things of different mm-hmm. sizes and then they've got like the, the alpha beasts yeah so you could definitely kind of go down a, a little lane with them and kind of um, focus your army on on a theme which obviously we're big fans of here being uh slightly more narratively focused but yeah and there's and there's a whole bunch of new models now so again not only are they uh, a great army for beginners because of the reasons that you just said but also all the 10th edition starter boxes have tyranids in them so yeah and and they've done the gw have done that thing with the new sculpts as well of updating a classic but very kind of understated and subtle upgrade and i i just think they've hit the mark so well with the new uh, Hormigants, or have they got new Hormigants? New Termigants for sure. New Gene Stealers. Just, yeah, just and, and new Hormigants. Yeah, they just look they just look so good. It's like the uh, when they updated the Loyalist Terminators. You know, when they updated the Chaos range a few years ago and brought out new Legionaries and new Chaos Terminators. It, they just, they did it so perfectly. Like, it's, it's not, they've not gone crazy with the details. It's just really subtle, but really decent upgrade. And if you were... If you were starting a Tyranid army from scratch now, like, oh god, you've got such good models to pick from. Yeah, they are. They are stunning. And like that new that new Norn emissary and the assimilator is just really gribbly. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be one have you seen one in the flesh yet? I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I went up against one a couple of weeks ago. And on oh, it's such a good model. What one of my favourite new models that's been released, I think in in you know the last last year or so it's just so intimidating and the pose is so good and the proportions uh you know it looks sleek like a hunter it's not like big and chunky and you know it's It's, really it's definitely not as big as i thought it was going to be or well i thought it was gonna be it's definitely not as big as it could have been because there was kind of rumors of a kind of imperial knight sized uh tyranny beastie coming out that would have been cool that would have been cool but um Mm -hmm. Uh, it isn't that huge, which is cool, which is cool. Mm. Talking of new models, as ever, we are doing a little giveaway. So they did release a plastic Death Leaper, uh, and uh, he has a, a funky kind of cloak thing. Hey, which he's is, like a he's like a, a bat. He's like that guy yeah. in your hobby store that wears the leather trench coat. <laughs> I, I might I might get one and three D print a little fedora for him. Is he going to ask you if you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Oh uh, no, not not a cool not a cool trench coat, Max. Well, but, but, but trench coats never are. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, gosh, well, I'm when going to alienate a lot of people. <laughs> I think yeah, him in a little fedora would be cool. I don't. I don't. Think, did, Mor- <laughs> did Morpheus ever wear a fedora, Max? 
Milady. No, not Morpheus <laughs> never, never wore Oh, yeah. That's that's what would have made the Matrix films a bit better. You know, Mor- Morpheus turning to be a right actually Milady. So good. So good. Anyway, back on track. We were there talking about the uh, Death Leaper giveaway. So uh, there's two ways to enter. You can head over to YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel and leave a comment on this this episode's video, uh, and you can then head over to Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram and comment on the episode's kind of Instagram posting. Um, then all the all the comments and all the posts will then be entered into a big randomizer, and we'll draw out a winner, and we will send you your very own Death Leaper to stalk the shadows with and execute your friends uh, from the darkness within uh so talking about the darkness within what about the darkness without so outside of the galaxy this new darkness is emerging max tell us what the tyranids are tyranids are a race from beyond the milky way galaxy which i think immediately makes them creepy they have emerged from the intergalactic void which is very terrifying because of the unfathomable distances that they have had to cross. So, you know, how many more Tyranids are there out there in other galaxies? Is this the ones that are currently besieging the Milky Way galaxy? Is that the entirety of the Tyranid race? Or are there multiple, multiple dozens of high fleets attacking multiple galaxies at the same time? Um, But they appear to have no sentience of their own they're a hive mind collective and their sole purpose seems to be uh, invade planet assimilate biomass and move on so they've got this kind of locust vibe to them right uh and they seem to be psychically connected to something that the imperium has termed the hive mind this greater intelligence and i, I like how the hive mind has kind of got a uh, deific element to it you know no one's seen the hive mind they don't know exactly what it is or where it, you know where it's located where it exists is it somewhere in the intergalactic void uh, but the whole concept of this you know ravening locust-like species that just moves from one planet to the next consuming all biomass without any ability to uh, reason or negotiate with is pretty terrifying to be honest yeah I think that's one of the scariest things in the 40k universe. I think the fact that they are a kind of like semi, they are sentient, but they are not intelligent. Well, that's yeah, the wrong, indi- no, that's the wrong yeah, word. The, well, the individual bug would not act. It, it would act instinctively, right, to protect itself and defend itself. And they are but, intelligent, um, like like yeah. um, you know, they have this kind of alien cunning, yeah. but they're not, they're not there to be reasoned with. They're not there to be bargained with. You can't negotiate. You can't, you know, you, you can't outrun them. You can't no. out anything them. They, they, they hyper adapt. And I, I love the stories where, you know, they'll use kind of anti-tank shells against these big beasts. And then they come back, you know, in the next wave with reinforced carapace. Mm-hmm. So they'll use like acid bombs and phosphex. And then they'll come back later with, you know, phosphex resistant carapace and stuff, you know, stuff like that. A yeah, it's just really cool. Is, yeah, yeah. Really, really scary. Yeah, that alien cunning is just, it's like, they're not there to be reasoned with, are they? They're not there to be bargained with or negotiated with. They are, you know, single-mindedly just consuming the whole galaxy. And yeah, the, the like kind of, it, the infinite nature of them, like yeah. you say, petrified. If, if a great white shark is bearing down on you and you ask it to stop, it's not going to. And it's it's the same thing, right? Like, it, all, all they want to do is consume you, move on, and, oh, yeah, chilling. 
And I think even like space marines, you can, you can, you know, they, they used to be humans. Now they're transhuman and they have, whilst they, they know no fear, um, they also, they, they have kind of human emotions and you can kind of relate to them and even orcs like orcs are a bit comical mm -hmm. and you know yeah, yeah they're, they're kind of the terrified you know physical beasts but they are they have a little bit of a comic value in 40k mm -hmm. and stuff like that you know the tau obviously are very uh they've got the whole diplomacy thing going on but the tyrannies no they're just they're not even evil that's the thing they're not even evil they are just no, there's no there's no mustache twirling going on here it's no. just just ecology at work <laughs> just pure ecology love it so how were they discovered how did they come into the uh to the kind of 40k universe well they're named after the planet tyron of course which was the first imperial planet to encounter them i do believe uh high fleet behemoth is that right was the first high fleet that was encountered by the imperium and um you know uh what happened was basically Tyron was uh, cut off psychically, because that's the other terrifying thing about Ooh, the Tyranids, yeah. is this shadow in the warp. And obviously, you know, across the vastness of space, mankind... Mine's immeasurably superior to ours, oh. drawing... <laughs> <laughs> drawing their plans against us. <laughs> Yeah, oh my God. I swear, I swear, I've done that. I swear, I've done that in a recent episode as well with someone else. <laughs> really? Yeah, you've just uh, got you've just got War of the Worlds on the. I've just got the same three jokes that I just recycled. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, what what an absolute tune. Uh, but yes, un unlike unlike the uh, the musical War of the Worlds, the periods are are scary. <laughs> yeah, but it's for Shadow and the Warp, isn't it? That's the terrifying thing. Like uh, before they even arrive on the planet. They cut off communication so that you can't even ask for help. You can't even scream for help. You can't warn other planets and nearby systems that something is happening. You are completely isolated. And then the invasions begin. And, uh, you know, you get these kind of vanguard beasts um, uh, that, that come down initially. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the bio ships arrive en masse. All of the tyrannocytes drop down these, you know, horrible biological dropships. Um, and this is exactly what happened to Tyrim, which is a big forge world, I think. And it just, you know, gradually picked off the main fortifications one by one until there was one single fortification standing. Um, and obviously that got wiped out as well. And from there, I believe, Behemoth, uh, High Fleet Behemoth moved on to McCrag mm. uh, and assaulted the Ultramar system. And that was, you know, the first kind of big tyrannic war between the imperium and the tyranids so yeah the uh, start of the tyrannic wars yeah yeah which is your favorite of the tyrannic wars my favorite of the tyrannic wars yeah, there's, well there's been four and i think they've each got quite like distinct uh you know themes going on um so i'm a big fan of the first tyrannic war because mm -hmm. that whole you know bear moth on mccrag snow planet it's where um, we see the kind of tyrannic war veterans first come out. It's where the Ultra Reed's first company were like completely wiped yeah, out. And not just kind of like, you know, they nearly all died or they no, two or nearly man. all of them died. It's like every single <laughs> yeah. one of them died. And that's just that's just cool. And also like uh, aesthetically, you know, dark red and dark mm. blue Tyranids on kind of white snow bases against these kind of, you know, bright cobalt cobalt blue ultramarines mm -hmm. it's a very cool thing mm -hmm. and also battle for my crag was the starter set for the fourth edition of 40k mm. so 
Uh, it's the one with the little crash to Quillalanda, which everyone's very fond of. Yeah, very um, good, very good piece of terrain. But yeah, just like I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But um, I think Kraken is probably my favorite high fleet. Yeah, they're a just, bit sneakier. Yeah, they are off a very in your face route. Yeah, one. absolutely. Kraken are a bit more cunning. Yeah, I like Kraken. My original army was uh, painted as Kraken. Nice color scheme as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, yeah. you can use a lot of Wraithbone spray and skeleton bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Kr- Kraken is, of course, the uh, Inqui- Inquisitor Crippman, isn't it? The, uh, you know, setting the orcs and the high fleet Kraken against each other in the Octarius system. I think. I might be wrong. Yeah, I think I think that was Leviathan. Uh, but that's, of course, the Cryptman Gambit, wasn't it? Where he uh, basically uses some weird orc technology to kind of boost a signal yeah i think it was like a captured gene stealer or something like that <laughs> is it just is it the baby t-rex in jurassic park the lost yeah, world i think so yeah but it was the gamble right and then because he uh he tried a lot of different things he because he was uh he was the inquisitor who discovered what had happened on tyron of course yes and so the archmagos yeah. kind of at the end like as the uh as the last surviving dude on the planet is like Right, well, we're all we're all you know done for, and he kind of presses the big red button, and sends like a kind of data vault into the into the yeah. core of the planet to kind of yeah. hide it, buries a little time capsule, and Crippen comes along and is like, "What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Why is this world completely dead?" And then discovers the uh, the little capsule, and, and that's when we find out about the you know the unknown Xenos, which are then named the Tyranids. Yeah, really cool. Uh, you know, gives gives McCrag gives the ultramar system a, a chance to prepare as well doesn't he with his warning but like he 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 went like full apocalypse now on them like uh you know he was increasingly desperate and would like exterminate us entire planets in the way of the high fleet to you know try and slow them down and deprive them of biomass so he he kind of did everything that he could to uh you know see off the tyranny threat so a really kind of scary character in his own way but you know i, I love how 40k Raptor... you know a, a very a very odd <laughs> a very odd uh you know character in 40k a very extreme you know character that goes to any length to, to vanquish a foe We've oh you know really... yeah they're normally so reasonable <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think uh, reading some more of a law uh to you know kind of well as as to get ready for looking at this codex uh, i really like the the stuff about the fourth tyrannic war okay uh, high High fleet leviathan um attacking the segmentum pacificus there was two kind of uh tendrils of the high fleet uh coming from you know different directions and this is this is kind of post the great rift so everybody on terror is you know they're distracted with indomitus they're you know cut off from you know the galaxy is in a bit of a mess right now right uh, so they're really slow to respond to this threat, but eventually they, you know, get their act together and they they launch these kind of super elite fleets that they call Soul Blades mm. out from the terror system. Uh, Trajan Valorus is like leading one, so you know they're, they're the Lord Commander of the Custodes. So they're really elite and they're they're kind of set out to do these you know, daring hit and run raids and, and kind of slow down the progress of Leviathan to, uh, uh, the, I can't remember the name of the planet that they're, they're heading towards, but they're, they're really successful in this. But eventually, 
a third tendril and a leviathan are really sneaky i think more so than kraken actually uh kind of sneaks up from you know below the galactic plane so for, from the direction that no one was expecting and assails this planet and it's like it's desperately hanging on uh this is where the norn emissary comes in as well because one of the commanders defending this planet is Solar Leonotus, I think his name is. You know, the, the Oh dude dude on robot horse. Dude dude on robot horse. And the Norn emissary, it's if it's like the will of the, the Hive Queen, it's been sent to destroy him. And that's it's cool. Just about to, and you know, everything's gonna oh my goodness, no, everything's gonna go wrong. And then all the soul blades kind of return just in time to save the beleaguered planet at the last minute and Trajan Valorus kills the Norn emissary and it's all very epic and heroic. So that's 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 a pretty cool story as well. That's badass. Mm-hmm. I think the um I wonder what the Sisters of Silence would be like against the Tyranids. Oh, what, like immune to the Yeah. Because it's the psychic it's your psychic energy, isn't it? That the uh the um you know the void attacks right like it drives psychers insane but even non-psychic people is is like they have a little bit of psychic resonance still so yeah so yeah. The, the shadow and the warp let's let's touch yeah. on that it's yeah it's very cool it is you know to various different people it manifests itself in different ways so to psychers it is like your mind is screaming uh you can't manifest your powers or, or if you can it you know it's really dangerous to do so and you know even to like non-psychers it's just this kind of like blanket of weird energy um some describe a, a it as a feeling yeah. a numbing blanket of static that fills their thoughts make it makes it hard to even think or speak which is uh pretty cool and you know races like eldari who are by nature very kind of psychically attuned it you know, affects them you know really really badly i think it talks about in the codex doesn't it even the tau are affected by the shadow and the warp and they have like no psychic well they, they they're not psychically gifted but uh what do you reckon so sisters of silence do you think so what does it like- say here oh yeah so it says only truly psychically inactive races such as the tau or necrons have less to fear from the shadow less. But even then yeah. the insidious hive mind has methods by which it can weaponize its just stout will against them to claim victory mm. you don't stand a chance do you nah and that's, that's and that's, that that that's that is I got. That, yeah yeah, you are completely effed, aren't you? Yeah, like oh. the descriptions of a high fleet invading your planet is just, you, you literally don't stand a chance. Um, which, when you read that, and it's like, well, you know, good God, like, what can you do? Do you sometimes think like the, oh, and just at the last minute, they've, I mean, obviously they can't like, you know, nuke the galaxy with the Tyranid threat. But I, the, from what you read, the Tyranids do feel like the biggest threat to the galaxy oh for sure for sure but the imperium always manages to pull it out at the last minute <laughs> well i just feel like i feel like the tyranids are the 40k universe's end game yeah but we won't ever get there because this isn't this isn't a story that finishes no no they are well, well, yeah, they are this exactly. kind of like they're always going to be that would not be even the thing that would do it though yeah like if you yeah. were to take the 40k universe to its narrative conclusion i personally think it would be the tyranids that would that would cause that that would cause the the end of humanity uh, and i suppose with the end of humanity and sentient races comes the end of chaos yeah yeah because chaos is the manifestation of our emotions right like it's our souls and it's our yeah like chaos gods exist because of us yeah and so if the tyranids munch all that stuff then no chaos nothing to sustain them yeah yeah and if 
I just, yeah, like I think there's look, a reset button. Yeah, the I think honestly, I think the only thing that stops them is something like the Necrons. Yeah, what that that they can't they can't sustain themselves from. They can't sustain themselves from them. They've got kind of old one tech access to old one tech. They've got the access to uh, the Catan tech. You know, stuff like that. I think the only way, the only realistic thing that could possibly, I don't know, pull out like a, a magic MacGuffin that stops the Tyranids is probably the Necrons. You know, mm. Sarek, the Silent King. Mm. But they are. They, I think they are the scariest threat because of a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about. For sure, and even but things just, like you know, we just mentioned Necrons there. Like they are this kind of like silent, mm-hmm. endless legions of of death robots. But even like. The, the kind of narrative writers for 40k have made some of them into like characters you've got like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the quirky indiana jones one you've got the yeah. kind of the evil machine one that sucks your souls you know like uh with a little mustache twirl but tyranids don't have any of that they don't have personalities maybe mm-hmm. that's why i relate to them so much max <laughs> no personality and always hungry <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> only mildly more bearable when fed <laughs> But yeah, so going back to the point there, I think Sisters of Silence would be really cool to to kind of fight against Tyranids. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to have a a part of the Imperium that's going to go, do well, I think like a Death Watch team with attached Sisters of Silence. Yeah, but there's so few of them done. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like that. that's that's your kind of, that's your movie, you know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's them winning. But like I say, it's not going to work. It's not going to mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Shadow and the Wop rules-wise used to be it used to be more difficult to manifest psychic powers, but now it's a really cool thing which will um, perhaps will uh, will bounce onto the rules uh, in a mere moment because I want to I want to expand slightly on my Lost World Jurassic Park story. Go on. So my favourite Tyranids bit of lore is uh, Jurassic Park adjacent. I don't know whether you've heard of the Anfelion project. I have not. Mm, so back in the day, uh, Forge World did a bunch of books called Imperial Armor books, which you may have come across. Yeah, like the campaign books, right? Yeah, campaign books, absolutely. And they did one, I think it was book four, and it was the Anfelion project. And effectively, it's like an Xenos experiment. And so they collect like a bunch of dead Tyranids or like little small Tyranids and uh, they kind of put them in this big facility and try and do experiments with them to work out how to beat them. Like in a ver- in a classic kind of, you know, like the latter films of like AVP, Aliens vs. Predator, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where, you know, they're trying to like weaponize the Tyranids or something like that. It was just a classic, you know, um, let's build a facility and try and harness this thing that should not be harnessed. Did and life find a way? Life, life did find a way, Max. <laughs> life did indeed find a way. Effectively, they started like grow wings and uh they tried to like they're like oh purge purge you know sector three okay now purge sector two but sir sector two it, it's it's not working the the, the the fences the velociraptor pen's gone out <laughs> and uh let's say hilarity ensues oh my god and then a strike force of uh red scorpions again as of uh last episode it's one of the coolest chapters to exist mm. red scorpions a bunch of admech and uh imperial guard including the wonderful elysians and my fate one of my favorite uh imperial guard or astromanitarum yeah. regiments yeah uh, very cool a bunch of elysians and a guy called inquisitor solomon Locke arrive and uh try and um try and fix the situation uh and we won't we won't go too much in detail because i think it would make a good episode to uh we'll we'll get a copy of that book and uh go through it and t- talk about the narrative yeah, because it's, it's some, very cool we should do some book clubs book club ashes of the imperium book club <laughs> 
yeah so and he he had a really cool model there was a bunch of legion stuff that came out uh red scorpions led by carob colm uh, who later became a leviathan dreadnought and mm-hmm. uh yeah there's some some cool moments in it and we'll get onto it there but basically it's kind of jurassic park-esque you know lost world type thing a mix of those two films or perhaps all the films over and uh stuff goes quite rapidly south for the imperium and it's think, a brilliant think, a brilliant little story i think solomon Locke might be one of my favorite warhammer names as well that's just you can't be anything but a badass yeah <laughs> with that name right they're like mummy and daddy lock uh they give birth <laughs> to their child and they're like Right, he's got a name, Locke, and it's, it's, it's L-O-K, not L-O-C-K, so at least, yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, you know, he's either going to work on a canal, or be a, or make keys for a living, padlocks for a living, or, but let's give him a badass first name, and maybe he'll become an Inquisitor, and he did. I appreciate did. your canal humour there, Dan. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone did. You're really navigating the uh, situation. Oh, stop it, you. That's enough. That's enough. Anyway, just thinking of now about how Rosie and Jim would uh, do well in the 40k universe. I'm not sure they would. <laughs> That's a really cool story. We'll uh, we'll touch on that in a future episode. Mm. Um, and also, like you know, more more films of you know decades ago. <laughs> the there's a, there's a great little snippet where it has like all the living weapons, and it has a little thing that says predatory projectiles, and it reminded me somewhat of uh, the film The Mummy. Oh, what with the um... with the scarabs? Yeah, are oh, they are this? That's that. Uh... I think I watched The Mummy when I was... God, when did that come out? Well, that was 1999. So I would have been 11. And oh, the bit with the scarabs. Yeah, that's that's Yeah, it's proper me, creepy, I isn't think. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was one of the first DVDs we got, actually. Amazing. When, when we made the switch from VHS to DVD, Dad was like, hey, check this out. The Mummy. Check and, this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, You're uh, like, you know. I'm either going to leave this film either bisexual or mentally scarred. Maybe. <laughs> How about a little comment? <laughs> <Yeah, both. laughs> Better column A, better column B. Mate, Imhotep is a good looking dude. He is a good looking dude. It's got Brendan Fraser. It's got Imhotep. <laughs> it's got um, Rachel Weisz in it. It's got something for everyone. But yeah, no, it was, it was we had The Mummy and The Wild Wild West were the two DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a film. So I watched both of those way more times well them no the, um, the mummy's a classic that deserved multiple watches but i'm less sure wild wild west did but uh yeah the scarabs and this whole idea of living ammunition oh no thank you oh, anything yeah. like, anything crawling in no, ugh, just, yeah no. <laughs> i remember like you know growing up at school and you know you, you'll you'll no doubt be able to you know give me the latin name for these things but you know about people when they were like urinating in the amazon river mm-hmm. and bugs or something like swimming up the stream the stories you hear is that yeah. is that true, Max? That, as, what, those, as, they're, as, they're, a, as a man I, with a geography PhD, <laughs> look, I'm no expert on Amazonian ecology, but I think you're not going to be Solomon Locke's two IC, no, are you? I'm not. I'm not. But I think there is an element of truth to that story. Mm-hmm. We'll have to we'll have to fact check that at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you'd hear stories about you know things like that, and as of course there's like those wasps that uh, like bury their bugs inside. Like the uh, skin of cows and stuff, don't they? Oh, good lord! Yeah, and oh. just it, it really the whole tyrannid thing really plays on that creepy crawly, doesn't it? Yeah, like nature is minging. Nature mm-hmm. is horrible, and mm-hmm. tyrannids are are kind of the the most extreme manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so better watch out. Anyway, on to the rules, Max. Yes. Unless you've got any more tyrannid narrative stories to spin. Uh no, I don't think so. I've. I've well, have you read the Eisenhorn books? 
I have read, I think, two of the Eisenhorn okay. books, All which right. is so. which is I shouldn't even be like running a narrative 40K podcast and <laughs> and admitting that I should be like, yeah, I've read them 17 times a 17 day, Max. Times yeah. And, yeah. and the Ravenna trilogy, too. And uh, yeah, we moved on to the Elizabeth Beckwin books as well. And But no, anyway. Stop showing off, so- mate. <laughs> Tell us your story. <laughs> I won't uh, do too many spoilers, but the 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 Magos, which is the fourth book, I think, third or fourth, it's the last one raise old and even more scary uh is split between kind of short stories at the in the first half and then all of those short stories kind of come together in the second half of the book and that's the sort of eisenhorn bit and there is a short story about a magos biologus called valentine drucker who has been commissioned to perform a ecological survey of this backwater planet and he's been there for years he's completed his work he absolutely hates it and then all of a sudden on this very isolated peninsula uh people start disappearing and he's he's told to you know you you've missed a predator from your ecological survey like get out there and fix it and he goes out there um there's a there's like a a, a imperial priest who is saying that this is a manifestation of chaos and we need to pray harder to get rid of it um, <laughs> pray harder yeah, yeah. Exactly. love it that's always worked he goes out there with a um uh you know uh arbiter what are they called uh, it's called the, a barbites uh, yeah the, the he goes out with a 40k cop um, a dude with a shotgun and a badge a girl with a shotgun and a badge she's a real badass and there's also a uh hunter who's who's goes out there with them to try and find this thing and the hunter is basically to go back to jurassic park clever girl ah oh, uh, muldoon i think his yeah. name is max come on he's yeah he's he's that right um so they go out and they they hunt this thing down and it's picking them off one by one um it gets the hunter and all of his party and druka identifies it as oh my god this is a tyranid um and you know they they finally kill this thing him and the arbites um you know commander um and I, well i won't tell you what happens next but that's a really cool uh you know kind of short story involving the tyrannies because it's it's only a hormigant that they're hunting right which is the lowliest piddliest little swarm model that you can include in your armies and this thing hunts and kills and takes out like 15 20 heavily armed prepared people and it just shows you like one-on-one how absolutely terrifying these things are it's a really good story i recommend it if you've not if you've not read it yet yeah that's really cool and i think that's a, a great point to to kind of end on in, in terms of like the narrative side of things of how apocalyptically terrifying these things would be to a baseline human i wouldn't stand a chance you would be I, absolutely i, no, I wouldn't fancy my happening. chances to be honest against a grot so uh, you know give me a hormigan and a ripper (laughs) i don't think dan there is a thing in the 40k universe that i could beat (laughs) i'm just now trying to rack my brains and think of something that could uh yeah like even just like a squig would be terrifying wouldn't it more more terrifying (laughs) than a grot yeah absolutely yeah what so what what do you think you could beat in it yeah go on if you had to pick one thing if I had what, to fight, one if you had thing, to fight one thing in the forty-first millennium, what would it be? Oh, can I choose? Like, I was going to say, can I choose a guardsman? That's exactly like, what I'd choose. But what, like, Acadian? What? Who, a, 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 
thing, a person that's been brought up as a since a child to be a soldier. Yeah, I mean, even like the lowliest Cadian's going to be. It's going to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dan, it's an impossible question. Can I? I I I, I tap out. <laughs> or oh, maybe like a. Uh the word navigator okay but they're hugely psychically well the psychic capable. ones they'd zap you with their third eye mate oh my god no i don't i, I can't <laughs> i'd pick like an air cast or water cast towel <laughs> always like, picking on the towel you aren't you yeah punch that blue fish face <laughs> but they just want to have you join the greater good yeah <laughs> i'd be like greater good this pal <laughs> like knocking on your door yeah <laughs> Have you heard about the greater good absolutely <laughs> yeah like book of mormon musical but featuring the towel yeah okay no i think you're onto a winner there there I we can't, go i can't beat that no well not like i can beat a towel but <laughs> cool right talk about the rules max mm-hmm. we've got two army rules haven't we we do uh yep which are very good shadow and the warp is really good this edition uh once per battle you can force every enemy unit to take a Battleshock test, which can come in really, really clutch uh, if, you know, the points are tight on the primary and there's a really key round coming up where they could potentially have a big swing and, and you know, it, it could really go against you. Being able to turn off objective control and turn off uh, stratagems is really good, really powerful, which I think works really nicely. I think I prefer that to how it's manifested in previous editions. I think it has a lot more utility now, potentially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you were facing something like Drakari or Tau and you, your enemy didn't have any psychic units, then Shadow in the Warp was just... It was kind of useless, yeah. It was completely useless, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I it really, works, I really like it works against all comers now. Absolutely. Mm. And synapse has changed significantly as well. They used to be used to have like quite bad negative effects of your army when your units were outside when you were of out of synapse yeah. range. Yeah, like you had to charge if there was an enemy in range and back when you could overwatch. Yeah, free. like instinctive behaviors. Yeah, no, it was it was quite tough. But uh, now synapse is when you take a battle shock test, it's done with 3d6 as opposed to 2d6. That's Which, so powerful. Yeah, yeah, because you know, super the, powerful. I I really like that Battleshock doesn't lose models now. Like you don't, you know, your models don't leave the board, which was really frustrating, especially when you were playing like you know you facial no no fear, <laughs> you guys like running away. Like no, come on, you're not supposed to do that. Um, but so now Battleshock, you know, turning off OC and limiting a, a unit from being able to benefit from stratagems is is really bad when it happens to you. So the fact that there's 3d6, I mean, I've I've played Tyranids fairly regularly in 10th edition so far, and I've I don't think my opponents have failed a Battleshock test yet, which is frustrating for me. But it shows you the power of that rule. I think it's it's very possible to create armies that are very sort of built and focused around Battleshock, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure they're going to be any good. Mm. Because all, all it takes is to be up against something like Tyranids, where they've got specific rules, and then the kind of whole point of your army, the strength of your army, is just completely neutered. Well, as a Night Lords player, Dan, this worries me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing when we get our uh, Chaos Codex that there will be a morale shenanigans detachment. Well, I'm hoping there will. Yeah, but, um, I'm just I'm not I'm not 100 convinced it's a 
it's a brilliant i think there's going to be enough in the in the rules that allow you to ignore things like battle shock that um mm. that it's not uh, yeah three, three three d6 for a battle shock test is really good really strong because oh, you sure. have to you know they, they they do come up quite often now like as soon as that unit's below half strength you got to take one um and there's lots of synapse creatures in the book, so it's fairly fairly easy to keep things within synapse range. So um, you know, yeah, it's it's a good rule. And then alongside those rules, of course, we've we've got the usual thing now with tenth. We've got the different detachments. So there are six different attachments now. Is there? Yeah, and we did our we did our usual thing. Of we picked uh, our favorite attachment and we built a little army. Um, we're not going to go too massively into the rules for the ones we we didn't do, but there are uh, the four that we haven't picked: invasion fleet, which you'll recognise from the index. Uh, there's crusher stampede, which uh, long time Tyranid players will remember from various different supplements. Mm -hmm. uh, so invasion fleet is probably like the vanilla kind of all. It's a good all comer, yeah. all comer one. Yeah. Uh, the crusher stampede is the monster mash, which affects mm -hmm. monsters, monster units. Unending swarm is that kind of zerg rush, starship troopers, arachnids kind of swarm thing, and that affects endless multitude units so things like termagants and hormigants and a couple of all others. the griblies all the mini griblies mm -hmm. um assimilation swarm and this is the one of the, the toughest ones i think which affects yeah, harvester units it's a weird one that's I only did. four data sheets yeah that's not very many is it yeah psychophage horospex pyrovore and ripper swarms yeah um and yeah this one's a tricky one i i, I couldn't couldn't get on with that one i'm not gonna lie I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like the idea of there being a Ripper Swarm dedicated army. <laughs> but um, Hey, well, we've talked about how terrifying that would be. Yeah, it would be terrifying in real life. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps on the tabletop, less so. Mm. Now, how many objectives do you capture with your Ripper Swarms? <laughs> I want to say zero. Yeah, they're not, they're not sticking around. No, Assimilation Swarm I, I struggled with. But, um, you know, which which one stood out for you, Dan? Uh, so Synaptic Nexus, okay. I think, was, was the one that I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, I just like the extremeness of the list that you could build. Uh, the kind of, like, uh, listeners will know that I really like very heavily themed lists. Mm -hmm. In 9th edition, I kind of built around an army, an army idea of flying Tyranids based off uh, some of the the Flashpoint stuff that was in the uh, the narrative uh, Flashpoint series in White Dwarf. Uh, it was really cool, but I was hoping to see, I was kind of hoping to do that army for 10 because I was hoping that Tyranid Warrior Shrikes would come back. And those are the, those are basically Tyranid Warriors with wings. So we saw the return of the winged Tyranid Prime, mm -hmm. and I got so excited because I thought winged Tyranid Prime, perfect. We're going to get winged warriors, but um, sadly not. So never materialized. No. Didn't evolve fast enough, Dan. No, sadly not. Sadly <laughs> not. Should have been in the uh, Anfelion complex, and they would have evolved with wings. <laughs> I think that's where the Shrike models first came from. So, um, yeah, uh, and also there's not even a kind of burrowing detachment mm, either right. to. Do like the... Raveners, Trigons, yeah, Trigon Primes, uh, which don't exist anymore, do they? There's no such thing as a Trigon Prime. It's just no, a Trigon. Just, yeah, I think that's right. Trigons, Morlocks, Raveners, all do borrowing. They have, do they have the Vanguard keyword, those guys? Do they fit into that or not? So Morlocks don't. Mm, that's a shame. Raveners don't. Yeah. So you can't even use them in... Yeah. So, that, so again, like I was like, right, let's do an all-flying army. 
Mm, there's nothing that really fits that. Okay, cool. Let's look at what borrowing things they are. Oh, there's nothing that does that. And there is a there is a, a, a high fleet that's very famous for its use of borrowers. It's High Fleet Yormungander. Oh, that's a cool name. Which is A, a cool name, but also B, they're really like famous for kind of doing borrowing tactics. Mm-hmm. So Ravenous and Morlocks. And like how we saw in the Space Marine Codex, it was like, you can have the siege list in brackets, mm-hmm. Imperial Fests, but don't tell anyone. I was kind of thinking that they would do kind of like high fleet themed lists. And of course, you've got uh, Invasion Fleet, which I guess is anything, but it's kind yeah. of Leviathan. And you, then I, you... I, I think. And then Crusher Stampede, which is kind of Bear Moth. Yeah. I was going to say, they don't they don't have quite the same identity as like the chapters, do they? No, no, absolutely. And and there is a bit of lore snippet on that, which is kind of saying like, why, you know, why are they different colors? Mm. Um, and I guess no one, no one really knows, like. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, is it camouflage? Is it intimidation? Is it like a, you know, like um, coloured notebook tabs for the hive, the hive queen, the hive, the hive mind <laughs> to like, you know, know, know what's going where? Oh, we've got the red ones over there and the blue ones over there. So, yeah. So, so in, in the end, to answer your question, Max, the synaptic nexus was the one I chose. Yeah, cool. So tell us about your Vanguard onslaught list. So what, why specifically did Vanguard stand out to you? Oh, I, I really like the idea of it. Uh, you know, we were talking about how terrifying a Tyranid invasion is uh, in in the lore earlier, and you know how hopeless it is. And the stage of the invasion where these vanguard organisms come down and start picking off key objectives, you know, taking out communications, like cutting off supply routes, stalking the shadows, and and just this this initial wave of of horror and terror before the apocalypse comes i just that idea really struck a chord with me and i thought oh, it'd be really fun to play an army themed around that idea so it's not the hordes of bugs it's not you know the big monsters coming and smashing down the walls of the fortifications here this is the sort of initial tricksy picking off phase where the you know the key commanders are being assassinated and the key facilities are being kind of picked off one by one i thought that was a really cool uh flavor to lean into and you also get some really good rules for vanguard onslaught as well um so they there is a new keyword for data sheets now that's called vanguard invader and the detachment rule is every unit gets the ability to fall back and charge and that's regardless of if it's a vanguard invader unit or not but then vanguard invader units also get advance and charge so you're not restricted to just picking data sheets with vanguard invader you know you can also benefit from this detachment from other data sheets too and and you know with uh, the way that fighting order works now the ability to fall back and charge and get that fights first again is really powerful because you know you know hitting first is obviously better uh so the the ability to kind of trigger that again is really really good and uh the ability to advance and charge well obviously you know tyranids have a lot of combat options so that's always going to be strong and there's also some really good enhancements so uh, chameleonic is is good it gives the uh benefit of cover um and and grants you stealth against shooting attacks as well so you can put that on a on a character model and make them really beefy hard to hit hard to take down 
There is NeuroNode, which allows for a lot of uh, redeployment shenanigans at the start of the game. Um, and what's really good about this one is that it triggers after the first turn roll-off. So you can be really aggressive with your uh, you know, advanced deployment units. And then if you don't get first turn, you can, you can trigger this ability and, and redeploy them, take them off the board completely, um, and pop them back in later if you want. Or you know just put them somewhere a bit more defensive, which which I like. So you can go you can go all out initially and then tailor uh, if if you don't get that first turn, which is really good to have that flexibility. And then some really really good stratagems as well. Um, which well, if I go through my list, how about that? Yeah, and then absolutely. Can, just yeah. T- just touching on that um, questing tendrils rule. Tyranids units with this ability are eligible to charge in a turn in which they fell back. Mm. Vanguard invader units with this ability are eligible to t- charge in a turn in which they advanced. Yeah. So and and obviously any Vanguard invader unit is also a Tyranid unit, so they can also charge in which in a turn in which they fell back. That is insane. That yeah. is so oh, good. good. You yeah. could build an army like a close combat army with no Vanguard invader units, and this would still be a really good detachment to take. I think the, so. The ability to charge after you fall back is so useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it means you're swinging first again. And yeah. Hundred percent. And you know you can you can pull out a combat. Uh, stuff can shoot at that unit that you've pulled back from, and then you're free to charge another one. It's it just gives you that uh, flexibility of targets and movement, which is so important to you know getting the getting objectives, getting points in tenth edition. So tell us about the actual list itself. Right. So uh, we've gone a thousand points, and I have for my characters gone for a broodlord. And I've taken the enhancement, the neuro node. So like I touched on earlier, that lets you redeploy three Vanguard Invader units at the start of the first turn. Um, at the start of the game, sorry, specifically after the first turn roll-off. Uh, so that's one of the enhancements. I've then gone for Death Leaper as another character. And then uh, this one's uh, a, a, a bit of a point investment, but I've gone for a Winged Hive Tyrant. Okay. Um, you can kit them out, whichever melee weapons are pretty good. You know, the, the sword is a bit more high damage. Uh, if you take the talons, then you get a few more attacks, but slightly less damage. But they're both both good. Uh, but you can give him Chameleonic, and then that is an enhancement, that, that the one that gives you the benefit of cover and stealth. So he's minus one to hit, and he gets, you know, the benefit of cover too. Uh, so hard to take down because he's pretty high toughness anyway. He's already toughness nine with ten wounds and a four up invern and a two up save. So um, he's there to you know get in the mix and mess some stuff up. Um, he's got a bit of anti tank you know with the strength of his melee attacks. He can also uh, do the you know have a stratagem for free thing, which is really good. Um, so he's in there as one of my characters. What stratagem does he get? Uh, oh, so, you know, he's he's got like that generic like captain ability. Oh, um, I see. Where cool. uh, will, will of the hive mind, once per turn, one friendly Tyranids unit within 12 inches or more, um, within, uh, well, sorry, within 12 inches of this model can be targeted with stratagem for zero CP. Ah, uh, uh, yes. So that's that's obviously limited. And to that's what we talked about. Yeah, what, what yeah. we talked about last episode where yeah. it's limited to battle tactics. Gotcha. Yeah. But but still really good. Um, 
And then he's in there with Chameleonic uh, to give him that uh, extra bit of survivability. And then in my battle line units, I've gone for uh, a unit of 10 gargoyles. So you were talking about flying. I've already got two flying units in here. Yeah, um, maybe now, this that's... maybe this is what I need. Because that yeah. f- a flying, things with fly used to be able to, I, I want to say, if it had the fly keyword, it used to be able to charge after it ran away, maybe? Yeah, but you used, used to be able to fall back and shoot with fly in 8th edition. I don't know if you could charge as well. But yeah, fly, fly used to be really strong. Uh, but I've got these gargoyles. They're, they're not really here to do any damage. Um, they are here to benefit from uh, one of the stratagems uh, called Seeded Brood. So what this does is uh, it costs one CP, uh, it triggers in your movement phase, and it lets either two Vanguard units or one other unit from your army arrive from Deep Strike as if it was uh, uh, one battle round later. So effectively what that means in matched play is turn one Deep Strikes, which uh, they're they're not going to do a lot of damage when they come down. But what they can do, and you know, if I was if I was doing this for two thousand points, I'd I'd take a unit of twenty rather than a unit of ten, is they are horrible at move blocking, and I have been on the receiving end of this. So the uh, my my friend dropped down his twenty gargoyles using this seeded brood stratagem, nine inches away from my. You know, I was frontlining my deployment zone. I had a Chaos Land Raider full of 10 Chosen that was desperate to get up the board and start doing what it does, right? Drop them out and they mince whatever they charge into. Um, These gargoyles come in. They can then shoot and they have an ability called Winged Swarm, which is after you've shot with them in the shooting phase... If it's not within engagement range of any enemy units, it can make a normal move of up to six inches. So you can drop them in nine, shoot, move them another six, and completely, you know, cut off a key unit from being able to move, um, which which really hampered me back. It kind of took my uh, plans back a whole turn because I had to deal with these 20 gargoyles that are in my face. I mean, they're, they're not tough or anything only toughness three with a six up save they die very very easily but they they had to be dealt with so i've dropped those in there for some uh anti-movement shenanigans that's really good yeah i really it's a really good strap yeah is there any way to make them more um durable you can give a uh stratagem called unseen lurkers which makes one of your vanguard units untargetable outside of so it gives them lone operative basically so if you if you were clever i mean it would depend on what you're trying to achieve with them right but um if they were far enough away from a a, a, a enemy unit with lots and lots of daca you could make them untargetable by that unit which would be really good um what's really cool with unseen lurkers as well is if your unit already has lone operative then you target them with this stratagem and it means that they can't be targeted within six inches oh wow because normally so, it's 12 yeah so it cuts that in half even more so uh you know something deep striking nine inches away from one of your key lone operative creatures 
wouldn't be able to target them with this because they wouldn't be within that six inches. So it's a, it's a really good one. So that would give them some survivability for sure. Yeah, that's then, good. I like that. And then, yeah, moving into uh, the rest of the data point uh, data sheets, I've got a unit of 10 gene stealers to run around with the Broodlord. Um, the Broodlord gives them devastating wounds in their uh, fight phase, which is really good because they've got quite a few attacks. They have four attacks each, so that's 40 attacks coming in. Um, weapon skill two, so you're going to get a hell of a lot of hits with that. Um, but they're only strength four, so the fact that you're then rolling, I don't know, let's say, what, 30-plus dice uh, after your hit roll, if you're hitting on twos normally, it's, it's going to be a good, good number of hits. Uh, with the ability to get devastating wounds on a six is really nice. Like that's that's going to hurt anything of any toughness because it will just go right through. Uh, so he's there to run around with the gene stealers, and they get a scout move of eight as well. And then of course they can advance and charge because they've got the vanguard keyword. So you can you could quite you know if your if your opponent has deployed aggressively. There is a there is a really good chance of getting a turn one charge with your gene stealers and broodlord, um, which which could be horrible. And then to round it off, I've got two lictors at sixty points each. So together with Death Leaper, they can deploy uh, in advance of your deployment zone. They've got the infiltrators keyword, so they can do that. And then with the neuro node, if uh, I can be really aggressive with them. So they can really go after some key targets. But if if I have to redeploy because I don't get to first turn, then I can do that. So lots of flexibility there. Uh, they can act as kind of, you know, good little action monkeys as well. So they can spread out on the board, cleanse objectives or, or grab engage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, having um, having little sort of units like that is... Because Rippers, even though they've got OC0, can still do actions, can't they? Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, and and you know they they still it, they clarified, didn't they? Eligible to shoot. You don't have to have a gun to be eligible to shoot. So, um, uh, is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. So when it uh, when it says you know if a, if in the shooting phase if a unit is eligible to shoot, it can perform this action. It's if they are with... eligible to shoot via the rules. Yeah, rather yeah, via yeah. the core rules which enable a unit to shoot. Yeah. So it's 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 they clarified it in the rules commentary. Yeah, that even even melee units can can do actions because it'd be really frustrating otherwise um and what's good with this as well there's another stratagem called uh invisible hunter which means that you can pull uh your uh vanguard um invader units into back into reserves in the enemy fight phase so if they're not currently engaged, they're kind of out of position in the board. You can pop this strat, you could pull your lictor back, and then you could pop him somewhere else up in your turn, uh, which would be really good. So again, gives you that movement flexibility to spread out, grab engage on all fronts or, you know, it, behind enemy lines and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so the two lictors and the death leaper are my kind of forward operators. And then finally... I've got two units of three zoanthropes. So not really with the theme of the army, uh, but they're just too good. <laughs> they're too good not to take. They've got a four-up invan, uh, really good anti-tank. They've basically got las cannons. So, you know, across the two units, you've got six las cannon shots, strength 12, minus three, D6-1 damage. 
uh, good anti-elite shots as well. They've got their Warp Blast Witchfire, which is D3 attacks with Blast, Strength 7, minus 2, D3 damage. So that's good against Marines and Elite Infantry. Uh, and then the the focused one is the the Laz Cannon Smash, basically. They're so good, aren't yeah. they? But I, I think you could, uh, if you wanted to kind of flavor it in the list, I don't know, perhaps they are the vanguard oh the, here we go here the, we go here we the, go of the, of the hive mind you know they're there as the slightly more intelligent or, or the sort of comms guys to oh yeah yeah the comms guys they're the comms guys to maintain connection to the hive mind but you know absolute nonsense max you're just bringing them because they got pew pew mind bullets oh, well look stuff is tough in 10th so you need that you need that high strength pew pew to to get through it so it just give just rounds out the list a little bit, but yeah, there we have it. I'm, I'm, I like it. I like it, and I like how you've you've not done what I would have done, which is like only take units with the fat card roll. <laughs> Six von Ryan's leapers. And yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, leapers, yeah, yeah. No, well, uh, what I found is a good. There is a really good spread of data sheets that have Vanguard Invader as the keyword. So there is a lot of different stuff you can do. Uh, and it just it seems like a really fun detachment to play. I, I like the the movement shenanigans that you can do. Um, it's yeah, I think I think it'd be a good one. Do you think a an army purely based off like you know imagine imagine I created the army, mm-hmm. Lictors, Death Leaper, Von Ryan's, you know things like that. Do you, um, you know maybe a handful of gargoyles and a winged tyrant. Do you think a purely vanguard organism army could be workable? I think I think it would have a lot of potential for scoring. So I think you could score a lot of primary points. I think you could score a lot of secondary points. Uh, the the where you might struggle, I think, would be damaging the enemy. Uh, so it would be very hard to reduce their capacity to kill. And then you know you would I think you would score a lot quickly, but I don't think you would have the staying power to maintain that i don't know it depends it depends how tricky you could be with your movement i guess but um it would be it would it'd be a very high skill level army to run i think uh which on a monday evening after a day of work i when i just want to throw some dice isn't always what i want so this is uh for, for what i've gone for kind of a hybrid i guess but yeah. i think it could work it would just be tough to do that makes sense that makes sense um the zone throats. I'm a bit annoyed you took them, Max, if I'm honest, because <sighs> I'm doing a psychic army. Your thunder, you have. So. Absolutely outrageous. <laughs> tell, 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 tell me about your list and the detachment that you've picked. Andy. Well, I have picked the Synaptic Nexus. So the detachment rule uh, for this one is the leader beasts of these swarms act as conduits to the will of the hive mind. Irresistible imperatives lash out from them like whips that drive lesser bioforms to hurl themselves at the prey to fight on through fatal wounds or to attack with redoubled savagery. So what that looks like on the tabletop is at the start of the battle round, you can select one of the synaptic imperatives shown below. Until the end of the battle round, that synaptic imperative is active for your army. And while a Tyranid's unit from your army is within synaptic range, or synapse range rather, it will benefit from it. Each synaptic imperative can only be selected once per battle. So you effectively get three kind of doctrines 
to use space screen speak um but they don't last they're only you know they're only one one sort of one per turn and there are, there are only three of them so you don't have to pick one so you can you know not pick one on turn one and save them for turn two three and four etc but you can use them in, in whatever combo you like so there are three of them and effectively one makes you more survivable one makes you more hitty and one makes you faster so Synaptic Augmentation, whilst this unit is within synapse range of your army, models in this unit have a 5-up in Vulnerable Save. So I think this one's a really good one for the first turn yeah. to make your army more survivable. Alpha, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you're going second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've then got Surging Vitality, which is the speed one, and Goaded for Slaughter, which is the kind of combat or the, the hitty one. Uh, oh no, it is definitely combat. It's, it's melee, not shooting. So yeah. Surging Vitality, whilst this unit is within synapse range of your army, Add one to advance and charge rolls made for this unit. I think mm, that's really good. I think that's good. And again, maybe a you know a second turn mm -hmm. one. Yeah, once you've pushed up a bit. Yeah, once you've pushed up a bit. Um, or goaded to slaughter. Whilst this unit is within synapse range of your army, each time a model in this unit makes a melee attack, add one to the hit roll. So again, another contender for turn two, potentially turn three. I think surging vitality and goaded to slaughter are both quite good utility plays. You can kind of save them until your your army needs it. It's there's not it's not like a build order. You know, you don't go like oh, I'm going to go synaptic augmentation turn one, surging vitality turn two, goaded to slaughter for turn three. Although that would also work. That sounds like a good combo. <laughs> um, I think synaptic augmentation is really cool to use in the first turn. But you don't have to. If you've got lots of cover or you're hidden yeah, behind dinosaur yeah. blockers, you can use it on turn four when you've got yeah. some really, really important things on objectives that you need to keep alive. If, you, if you're up against like a very melee heavy army, like Absolutely. I, I know, if you were fighting my custodies, I can't really hurt you with my shooting in turn one to any meaningful extent. Save that five up invern until you're properly in the mix with with all my uh, guardsman squads and, and, you know, guardian squads. And then, yeah, that's that's nasty, right? Like five up in Vaughn. That's that's one in every, well, one in, if you roll, if you roll average, you're, you're going to be rolling a lot of saves there. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's a real, a really nice bit of flexibility. So you don't have something that's, that's active all the time like yours, but I mm. do like uh, that you kind of, you have to kind of use your brain, which makes sense because we're an army of brain bugs. <laughs> so it's it's synapse it's when you're in synapse range you get this buff right so it's not restricted Absolutely. to certain keywords it's just maintain synapse range and you get the benefit there which is good yeah and there are little gribbly things there are there are things you can do to extend synapse range aren't there and and you know but like like we were saying there's plenty of data sheets with the synapse keywords so absolutely for example there's a stratagem which allows you to extend your uh, synapse range of a unit to nine inches instead of six inches and uh yeah so let's talk a little bit about the uh the enhancements that are available so i picked power of the hive mind as one of them because i just think it sounded super cool and strong so the hive mind channels lethal energy through its synaptic bioforms and this is applied to a Tyranid Psyker model, and you improve the strength and armor penetration characteristics of psychic weapons equipped by the bearer by one. Really good, really good. So I'm guessing you've gone for uh, 18 zone ropes, right? Well, <laughs> not quite, but possible. <laughs> um, and uh, but that's a uh, that has to be a character that one. So you can't oh, improve the. God. armor penetration strength of a zone throat. Although, do neurothropes still exist? They don't, do they? Uh, they do, they're, but they're embedded within zoanthrope units. So Are they like the, a sergeant? The unit, yeah, well, the unit composition of a zoanthrope unit now is one neurothrope and two to five zoanthropes. Huh. And then, and um, what does while... the neurothrope actually do? So if your unit contains one, each time that an enemy fails a battleshock test, 
within six inches of that unit, it suffers D3 mortal wounds, and your unit regains D3 lost wounds. So it can okay. force it can force mortal wounds on units within six, and you can heal up a bit as well. Hmm. But that's that's all he does now. He's not he's not like an actual individual character or anything. And he's and he's well and he's specifically not a character, so there's no yeah. way you can I suppose you could precision strike him out, couldn't you? No, you you could no, he wouldn't. He's just he doesn't have it's just part of the part if, of the So if you've now. got precision, can he you can't. not do you do you have to it's not you choose the model, it's you can choose it to be on a character. Yeah, that's right, I think. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So it's not like you could take him out with your snipers or anything. It's just he's just embedded, he's just in there. Just part of the unit now. Weapons with precision in their profile are known as precision weapons. Thank you, Games Workshop. Each time an attack made with such a weapon successfully wounds an attached unit, if a character model in that unit is visible to the attacking model, the attacking model's player can choose to have it have that attack allocated to that character model instead of the following the normal attack sequence. Okay. Yeah, that's go. really cool. Yeah. Ashes Imperium educating people, mostly the hosts, on rules. It's good Well done. I do like it's, this. It's good we, to yeah. learn. <laughs> exactly. I'm learning lots. Thanks, kids. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> right so uh yeah oh that's cool um so let's talk about the other enhancement that i liked which was yep. psychostatic disruption and i thought this was a really cool again like a utility play uh so a maelstrom of psychostatic disruption boils about this bioform it degrades artificial and biological cognition alike causing teleport signals to fluctuate geopositioning cogitators to spew contradictory data and on rushing enemy warriors to reel in confusion. So this has to go on a synapse model, and enemy units that arrive on the battlefield from reserves cannot be set up within 12 inches of the bearer. Oh, that's really good. That's cool, isn't it? That is cool. That's that would cool. Really, that would right? really mess up, like, gene stealer cult or something, you know, that are so dependent on units coming back in. Um, yeah, being able to, like, push that out is really good. And that's 30 points. Oof, yeah. So quite quite an expensive. That's, that's about as expensive as enhancements get, isn't there? There's a yeah. few that are more expensive, but that's on the the mid to higher side. Yeah, and you but think it is strong. And you think, okay, well, you know that reserve, reserve setting up thing, thirty points. That's quite a lot, but it's because it has the second thing as well. Mm-hmm. So in addition, once per battle during a first or second battle round, when your opponent declares that a unit will arrive on the battlefield from strategic reserves, the bearer can use this enhancement. If it does, roll one d six. On a four plus, that enemy unit cannot arrive on the battlefield this turn. Oh, that's a real. That's a gamble. That's yeah. a gamble, but I love it. I like, yeah. imagine, you know, imagine that kind of like turn two deep strike kind of vibe. Oh, or God, your God. silly little gargoyles. I know. I know. Although, read that again, because uh, there might be a fun interaction here. Read the second part again. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're going to do. Rules is written. <laughs> <laughs> In addition, once per battle, during the first or second battle round, when yeah, your opponent okay. declares that a unit will arrive on the battlefield from strategic reserves, the bearer can use this enhancement. So you're referring to Seeded Broods. Yeah, the effect no, I think, being I think until good. the I end of the good. phase, for the purposes of setting up those selected units on the battlefield, treat the current battle round number as being one higher than it actually is for your units in reserves. So in turn two, it would effectively be turn three. No, so because it's one round later. So that's yeah. how you can get a that's how you can get a turn one deep strike with it. Yeah. So it's if like you if you're tr- if you're doing two. it on turn one, it says it's turn two. However, that means. Basically, your, your yeah, stratagem allows you to deploy, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't affect what turn it actually is. No, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So yeah, you could you could mess up my so, gargoyle. Stuff you, Max's gargoyles. 
exactly. <laughs> in the Nid versus Nid combat. Absolutely. Gonna love it. Yeah, that's really good. So what about uh, the, some other good stratagems in there too, I guess? Because these are just the enhancements you've been talking about, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. there's a couple of others. Um, you can subtract one for the damage characteristic of attacks, and good, uh, yeah. you can worsen the leadership by one within nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's some cool stratagems. So one is just like a mortal wound generator. So uh, after uh, any phase, use at any phase, just after enemy unit fails a battle shock test, one silence from your unit within 12 inches of that enemy unit, and you roll 66 for each three up. The enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. All right, so you get you should get so two, like, to, two or three pretty reliably there, right? Like, yeah, well, or more, but yeah, for every three up. Mm. I'm just going off my rolling, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going off my rolling. I, I had a game of D and D the other night, and I did not roll above a ten on my D twenty for the entire night. It was it was. I I've had sessions like that. You know I've had sessions. I've had sessions like that with you, Max. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think like, when, like when I tried wins. to ju- when I tried to jump off an airship and I fell off. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, so. Yes, if you're rolling like Max, that's two mortal wounds. If you're rolling statistically yeah. averagely, it's four. <laughs> yeah, so you're doing good. No, mortal wounds are really good too. And if you're well. rolling in the brain of Dan, it's six mortal wounds. <laughs> Guaranteed every time. Absolutely, every absolutely. Time. <laughs> Um, the next one is so that's just one CP. Uh, yeah. Another one, one CP in the command phase uh, until the end of the turn. You can make yourself nine inches, nine inch sign up, mm-hmm. which uh, we discussed a second ago. Mm-hmm. Um, irresistible will, another one CP shooting phase. Pick a unit that uh, has not been selected to shoot or fight, and one enemy unit within twenty four and visible to that unit until the end of the phase. Each time a friendly Tyranids model makes an attack that targets that enemy unit. If the attacking model's unit is within six inches of your synapse unit, re-roll a hit roll of one and a wound roll of one. Yeah, it's good. Hitting and wounding, more reliable, always good. Okay, so that's cool. So you can either have a, a unit that is very close, they're perhaps within six themselves, and you can re-roll hit rolls of one and wound rolls of one. Or, wait a minute, it says re-roll a hit roll of one and a wound roll of one. Does that mean you can only re-roll, re-roll one? Oh, this strategy sucks, Dan. This is weird. This is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's me confused. Uh, but yeah, so so you can basically, if you're within six inches of a synapse unit, you can buff your dudes. Uh, the next one is reinforced hive node. So your opponent's shooting phase or the fight phase just after an enemy unit has been has selected its targets. You select one synapse unit from your army that was selected as the target until the end of the phase. Each time an attack targets your unit, you worsen the armor penetration characteristic of that attack by one. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Again, really good if you're on objectives, you're trying to stay stay survival, yeah. stay survival. And imagine comboing that with synaptic augmentation for the five plus invulnerable. Yeah, really good. Just you, you could keep that key unit on the objective, you know. Yeah, and then if you're in synapse, you're getting your 3d6 Battleshock. So, you know, what's left should be still OC as well. So really good. Uh, and then the last two are, again, command phase, one CP, one Tyranids unit from your army that is within synapse range of your army, and you can select a synaptic imperative, even if you have already selected that imperative for this battle, still until the start of your next command phase, that synaptic imperative is active for your unit instead of any other synaptic imperatives is active. Your rest of your army. We see that quite a bit, don't we, with these uh these kind of rolling rolling abilities that you pick things, you know, like have have more than one active. Yeah, that's 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 always a strong one. And like if you if you can pick that at the key moment on the key unit, really, really powerful. Absolutely. And especially like if you you know if you've used 
your advanced and charge roll to get get your army really mobile and you suddenly think oh damn i could really do a five up and vulnerable on a unit and you can you can use that just for a cp yeah and then the final one is a movement phase one uh one two units unit from your army that's within silence range of your army and made a full back move this phase you can shoot and declare a charge so you get mini vanguard onslaught for a cp on one unit all good so how how have you cooked this all together in the how uh, have i cooked this synaptic monstrosity pools, yeah into some kind of life. well max i flicked through the codex and every single time i came across the synapse keyword i said yes <laughs> i like your strategy <laughs> <laughs> no not quite but um so i i took the neuro tyrant because he seemed super cool mm-hmm. so big synaptic beast he has psychic terror so if one or more of your models from your army with this ability are on the battlefield when you unleash the shadow in the warp Subtract one from the Battleshock test for each enemy unit on the battlefield, which seems decent. Did you read the uh, story snippet in the Codex involving the Neuro Tyrant? Oh, I'm not sure I did. Tell oh, me it's more. so good. There's the uh, there's a it's an Imperial Guard trench line, and um, further down, it's just before. Yeah, let me find the page. Just before the Fourth Tyrannic War, or just after it. It's like a, a double page spread or something. Oh yeah, twenty four and twenty five. Talks about a commissar. Oh uh, yeah, Dartani. Yes. So there's a Astra Militarum commissar uh, who is you know manning this defensive uh, trench line, and she's observing like a scythed Hydra jewel, like plowing through the lines, a, a, you know half a mile further down, and she's sort of witnessing all this horror. And she gets the order to to pull back to, you know, the tertiary defense line. And she starts moving her unit through these woods and a neuro tyrant appears in front of them and, and basically paralyzes all of them. They can't act, but they're, they're, you know, their faith in the emperor overcomes and they start blasting away at this. But it's just bouncing off the uh, psychic shielding. Her men are getting like butchered around her. And this neuro tyrant, it, it, oh, it's so creepy. It says it just like gently caresses her head with its tentacles and just like slowly pulls her into its mouth and like just bites her head off. And it's just uh. so, yeah, you've got one of those. <laughs> got one of those creepy tentacle boys. Um, so, yeah, uh, I thought about maybe attaching him into a uh, a unit. So who can he lead? Yeah, so he can be attached to Neurogaunts or Tyrant Guard. Um, okay. I think the problem with, with attaching him to Neurogaunts is that they're toughness three yeah. and he's toughness eight. So yeah. so you, you're going to be rolling, your enemy's going to be rolling against yeah. toughness three. Uh, yeah, which is, uh, which I, I have found that more with Tyranids than any other army at the moment. Like most mostly leaders and, and their bodyguard units are of equal toughness, but there's a few in the Tyranid Codex where that's not the case. So yeah, keep keeping him as a as a a lone operative is is not because my understanding and I'm happy to be corrected on this by either yourself, Max, or listeners. If uh, let's say you have a neurotyrant attached to a squad of neurogaunts, and there's only two neurogaunts left, mm-hmm. and they're both toughness three, you roll your strength versus the bodyguard's toughness, and let's say you do ten wounds against the neurogaunts, yeah. you do all of those wounds against toughness three, and then it overspills onto the unit. Yeah, that's right. So you know, say two of those ten wounds finished off your neurogaunts you're rolling taking, the rest of those yeah against your neurotyrant yeah which is would make me a sad panda so it, yeah i can't blame you <laughs> so i i didn't give him a bodyguard although no. yeah uh, and then he's next up toughness eight toughness yeah, eight he's good four yeah. up invulnerable yeah, yeah like yeah. it um and then the norn emissary next 
Really cool. Cool model, big brain. And I gave him the power of the hive mind, so that makes his psychic weapons, i.e. the ranged attacks, uh, plus one strength and uh, sort of minus one AP. So he's got uh, a neuroparasite, precision psychic, uh, two attacks. They're all 18 inch range. Two attacks, uh, twos to hit. Comes strength nine. Mm. AP two becomes AP three. D3 damage. Mm. So that's, that's good. That's, that's precision as well, isn't it? So that's yeah. like your sniper one, yeah. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. Then you've got Neuroblast, so that's Blast and Psychic. 2d6, 2 up, uh, becomes Strength 7, AP 3, uh, damage 1. And then Neurolance, Melter 12. Oh, sorry, Melter 12. (laughs) (laughs) Strength 12. Uh, Melter 2. Um, uh, 2 attacks, 2 to hit, uh, Strength 12, becomes Strength 13. uh, And AP 3 becomes AP 4. D6 damage. I really like the Psychic attacks that have this kind of, you know, diversity of profiles. Yeah. You know, Swiss Army knife of, of ranged attacks is really, really good. And then my final character is a Neurolictor. Again, a model with a big brain. I thought it, it would fit well within the theme. He, he's he been given the psychostatic disruption. So he's been given that thing that prevents you from deploying things around him and he can shut down a reserve unit because he's also got Infiltrator, Learn Operative and Stealth. So I can stick him out in the midfield somewhere yeah. and, and yeah. disrupt things. Yeah. So, you know, hide him away. Learn Operative. He can't be targeted easily. And then, yeah, he, he push out that no deep strike aura kind of, you know, just just ahead of your lines, like stop stop stuff coming in and getting that nine inch charge. That's really good. So he's only 65 points. That's cheap, um, isn't it? But I mean, he's 95, you know, he's plus 30 for psychostatic disruption, which I think you have to incorporate into the cost, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, you know, for less than 100 points, I think that's decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of goes on to the rest of the army. So uh, I, I went for two lots of Neurogaunts. So two, well, I suppose it's, it's two units of 11, but you get one Node Beast and uh, 10 Neurogaunts. I mm-hmm. went for two squads of 10 rather than two, uh, one unit of 20, just because uh, I think presence on the board, you know, our objectives is important. And then two units of three Zone Throats. Uh, Max has already harped on about how amazing oh, yes. zone ropes are they're very cool little floating las cannons hard to shift as well yeah well, well so all the all the psychic stuff has got a five up in Vun. yeah and that's again i think why this army is really strong is everything in the army apart from the neurogaunts has got a four up in Vun. Mm-hmm. so and then you you know your gaunts are going to be hiding behind oh sorry and 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 the rippers um, <laughs> spoilers there's some rippers um yeah, everything in your army, apart from like the things that will be hiding in terrain, have got a, it's got a four up in front. I think it's I think that's pretty legit. So yeah, two units of three zone throats and a maliceptor. Ah, uh, so that's that's like a big big bug, right? Yeah, big bug, big big brain bug. Um, one hundred and seventy points. So it's toughness eleven, fourteen wounds, and it's got psychic overload. It's a blast attack at eighteen inch range, d six plus three attacks, and threes to hit, strength ten, ap two, damage three. So you've got quite a few. You've got a good good kind of threat saturation in this list, haven't you? Like, if I was like across the table from that, I'd be like turn one, like oh god, that Norn emissary is very scary. Should I shoot at him? Well, that mouse is big and scary. You know, there's there's a lot of you're making your opponent make some choices there, which I think is always a good thing. Absolutely. Um, and I think I I do wonder whether the zone throats. So the zone throats are 110. The maliceps is 170. Like, is the maliceps just a not very good version of? A zone throat. So not not so you've got if you've got three zone throats, you're doing three attacks at twenty-four inch range, threes to hit, strength twelve, AP three, damage D six plus one. Mm. So what's that? Let's say that's three so three shots, two of them will hit, and then you can do D six plus one. So that's three and a half, doing like nine damage there. Yeah, does that maths work? Yeah, uh, 
having faced them a few times, yeah, they they are reliable output of damage for sure. Versus a Maliceptor, which is D6 plus three, so potentially up to nine shots. That strength ten, AP two instead of three, and it's damage three instead of D6 plus one. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a like elite infantry killer, isn't it? Yeah, and With wounds fourteen, so you're getting you're getting you know over rather than nine wounds, you're getting fourteen wounds. So yeah, I think it's I think it's worth it, and also it's worth it for for me for a little bit of just model variation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, people will, your opponents will treat it differently because it is a big, you know, you can't, you can't, especially if it's the first time you've like faced one, you can't help yourself. Like you're, you're, you, someone sticks a great big monster down in front of you, you're going to want to shoot at that thing. And then that, of course, diverts attention away from maybe some of your slightly more dangerous units that you know use it as a bit of a distraction distraction unit a distraction a distraction card distraction mouse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh terrible so yeah i like the sound of that i think i think that sounds like a good list i wouldn't like playing it just because i know how tough it is to chew through zoanthropes uh but you know combine that with the uh different buffs you can choose each turn a couple of really big scary monsters in there uh yeah i think i think that would be quite nasty to face to be honest it was a real shame uh that the malanthrope disappeared so the forge world units have only got i know it's not a psychic unit it's a kind of feeder unit rather than mm. anything else but you've only got the barbed hierodol the scythe hierodol the harridan and the hierophant now mm-hmm. um in the Armor. so i think that would be was that a psychic unit i'm not sure yeah i don't remember well it wasn't psychic but it was synapse okay so it so, would have it would have it would have uh played a role yeah it would sure. have it would have um would have been cool mm. um for this uh for this uh for this unit of this army rather i think with the high toughness that you've got in some of your units there i think you know uh especially at a thousand points stuff is going to struggle to hurt the non emissary at a thousand points. Uh, it's just you know he's a he's a it's a big scary big scary bug. Um, so a good a good spread of options. I think you've managed to get him. So the, the non emissary at two hundred ninety points yeah, is probably it is a big investment. Um, how much is a hive tyrant? Two twenty five with the winged winged hive tyrant is two twenty five. So not not you know significantly cheaper. Still still a still a big chunk of points. 210. Yeah, I think I think I've added in my uh, enhancement as well. Oh yeah, so winged hive tyrant 210 yeah. and a hive tyrant 235. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, is is the non emissary better than a hive tyrant for this list? It's thematic, sure, but mm-hmm. a, a hive tyrant is um, you know, it's a beast in combat. Can you still get a swarm lord? Yeah, swarm lord's still an option for sure. Oh yeah. And they have got a really neat ability to increase the CP cost of stratagems as well. That's uh, cool. Yeah, which is nasty. And I think uh, so. He has a synaptic. He has a psychic attack. Because one of the things I noticed the um, the hive tyrant and the winged hive tyrant don't have psychic attacks. Okay. Yeah. So they have yeah, they yeah, yeah. they have a rule. They have an ability called uh, so the hive tyrant's got onslaught. Uh, so whilst a friendly tyrant's unit within six of this model, assault weapons or ranged weapons rather. Uh, 
have assault and the winged hive tyrant has at the start of the fight phase you can select one enemy unit within 12 inches and visible to this model and roll 1d6 on a one you suffer d3 mortal wounds on a two up until the end of the phase subtract one from the attacks characteristic of weapons equipped by models in that unit mm. So there are psychic abilities rather than psychic attacks, mm -hmm. whereas the Swarm Lord has Synaptic Pulse as a ranged weapon. Mm -hmm. So psychic D6 plus 3, yeah. uh, Psychic Torrent, yeah, absolutely. Strength 5, AP 1, damage 2. But that would become, with uh, Power of the Hive Mind, that would become Strength 6, AP 2. Yeah, that's good. So you're instant killing, uh, not instant killing, <laughs> that's not a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So you're wounding on uh, twos against a lot of yeah against, against a lot like of humans and elves against, yeah yeah and also as well as the ability to increase the CP cost of a, uh, a opponent stratagem permanently for the rest of the game which is really good yeah uh, you and also, you generate you a CP an, yourself yeah, yeah you get an extra CP yeah so he he is uh, is also probably my favorite Tyranid unit I think the Swarm Lord yeah I'm just thinking you know. Uh, well, here, this, this is the best bit. At a thousand points, I have to make a choice. At you a two thousand points, have them all. Well, yeah, that's it. There <laughs> we go. Both, take both the guys. Have a real monster mash. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, really good. So, how would you how would you expand this out to uh, a uh, two thousand points rather? So, you add in a swarm lord. Do you yeah. think you need hive guard for the swarm lord? No, I would run him alone again for that reason that we talked about before with the mixed toughness. Um, it's going to make your swarm lord more. Swarm lord uh, is toughness, toughness 10. ten. Not, I don't mean hive guard. I mean obviously, I mean tyrant guard. But uh, tyrant guard are. Toughness eight. Okay, so it's not a huge jump down. Uh, whilst the character model is leading this unit, that character model has feel no pain five up. Okay. Okay, so maybe it's not quite as bad as we were thinking with the neuro tyrant. No. Well, the thing is, the neuro tyrant, the neuro tyrant can also join tyrant guard. Okay. So he'd be a great little combo yeah. for that because he's yeah. toughness eight. Um, yeah. I was just thinking about uh, joining him to neuro gaunts. Mm. Mm -hmm. If you were to add a swarm lord, mm -hmm. boost your zone thropes up to units of six. Yeah, and add a third unit of six. Your rippers unit just becomes three rippers just for the sake of it, because more more bodies. That's mm -hmm. seventeen fifty already. Yeah, you're a you're a, uh, and then I think maybe just some cheap gribblies just to like I don't know some termagants or something just to sit on some objectives. No, but they're not psychic, Max. No, I know. they're not psychic. I don't like I it. I know. <laughs> what about barb gaunts? Are they psychic? No, neurogaunts. No. Well, there you go. Just buy, just get more neurogaunts then. <laughs> They're terrible. They are terrible. They are awful. They are yeah. awful. I'm surprised yeah. they've got OC, to be honest. It's a real damage dealer, this list, isn't it? It, it yeah. hits really hard. I think you're right. I think some termagants would be... Just to sit in a ruin. Yeah. But then if... Well, why are you not taking... You know, if all they're doing is sitting in a ruin, why not neurogaunts? Well, then sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a huge step up in uh, toughness or saves, is there? Um... But yeah, just 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 more bodies. I think just more bodies, just to stuff to do actions, stuff to stuff to grab objectives, and then let the uh, let the big guys and the zoanthropes go go to town. There you go. So if I were to add in, right? How's this? Neurotyrant, Swarm Lord with power of the hive mind, non emissary, Neurolictor, psychostatic disruption. Uh, for the new lictor, three units of twenty-two neurogons, three units of six zoanthropes, two units of three rippers, and a maliceptor. A hundred, uh, one thousand nine hundred ninety. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. And all your 18. units are psychic or synapse or, or thematically themed. Eighteen zoanthropes. <laughs> <laughs> You're not winning any friends with that list, are you? That's disgusting.
<laughs> save horrible. Well, and all the damage dealers in your army have a four up invulnerable save. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, Dan, you power gamer. I know. Mad, eh? <laughs> Here I am with my lictors and my death leaper, jumping about <laughs> and cleansing objectives, and you just, just blast it off the board. <laughs> I know. I know, right. So there we go. That is uh, that is that our little take on Tyranids. What do you think, Max? Are you going to get some Tyranids, or is it just a sort of fun little exercise for you? Ah, uh, this this has been a, this is a case of Novi enemy for me today. Um, I'm not going to jump into a Tyranid army at any point soon, but I like I said, I do enjoy coming up against them. So I feel like I've been schooled by the biologists now, and I I know my know my enemy a bit better. Excellent, excellent. Well, maybe maybe for the next episode we could talk a little bit about if there's not if there's not another codex release to review, we can talk a little bit about the Anfelion project. Sounds good to me. Yeah, do a bit of a lore dive. Cool. So, listeners, don't forget you can win a Death Leaper. So head over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and comment on the podcast uh, video. And also head over to our Instagram and like and comment on the of the the image that we post for this episode. And uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram. And we'll enter all the people that do that to into a ballot, into a, a pool of people, and we'll draw someone at random and send them out a Death Leaper. And then you too can join the High Fleet. So until next time, keep calm and crusade on.